What is up, everybody? This is the Sharp Angles podcast, the Thursday night, the prop betting and NFL DFS version of the podcast. I am not Todd Burrows. Uh, Todd is not not able to be with us tonight, and so I'm filling in my name is Ray Summerlin. I'm sorry. This is the second time you're having to hear me on the feed, like back to back. I apologize in advance for that. I will try to let all the talking be done by the actual smart one in this feed, and that is Ryan McChrystal, who I assume is still upset about the the first bowl action that we had here on this Thursday. That uh, it cost me some significant points in my bowl pool. How about you, Ryan? Yeah, definitely. We've suffered some big losses in our uh, bowl picks the past couple of days, some big upsets, especially last night with, uh, I guess, occasionally a Miller Moss just pops up every so often and crushes your hopes. Yeah, I mean, SMU was what, like 13 point favorites or something like that? that I think that's the biggest actual upset because, you know, USC, USC's good, got good players. You know, we thought they're going to be missing a lot of players. So that gives us an opportunity. And Louisville has, you know, failed against uh, a third string quarterback in the ACC championship <laughs> yes. game. So things like that happen, right? But uh, that SMU one, I, I'm confused. I don't like that's that's one of the more shocking ones I think we've seen. The good news is everybody lost a lot of points whenever, yeah. whenever they lost. Yeah, it didn't hurt that much. Weather certainly a factor too, and Boston College has a good running quarterback. So if we had known that well in advance, that that may have factored into our uh, confidence point thinking. Yeah, I'm glad that we could do bowl talk at the top. I'm sure all of the NFL people, if you like bowl pickums, you want to bet on bowl, Ryan's doing a lot of bowl content over at the website, sharpfootballanalysis.com. Make sure you go and check that out. Also, we have launched our postseason package, which includes our bowl. Um, if you if you decide to take get extra bowl package there as well, we've launched our weekly one. Uh, it's actually 71% off right now. If you use the code get 71, why is it 71% off? Because we are 71% on our elevated plays since the beginning of November. We've been absolutely scorching hot. You want to get on board for the playoffs. And if you get on board for the playoffs, you are actually going to get the final couple of weeks of the NFL free as well, the regular season. So lots of reasons to get involved in the postseason betting. We've been on fire. If you were $100 better, you'd be up somewhere around $8,700 using our recommendations this season. So absolutely on fire. We're going to keep it going in bowl season, going to keep it going in the playoffs. Make sure you get on board. Also, if you're listening to this in podcast form, you can listen to this show live every single Thursday. We're going to keep going through the playoffs, 715 Eastern over on YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Warren Sharp, and you'll find us. You can subscribe, get notified when we go live. All right, let's talk about the, the reason we're here, Ryan, your props. You can find his article over at sharpfootballanalysis.com, looking at all the props for the week, his favorite for the week. And I didn't even need to read it. When you send it over, he always slacked me and you say, <laughs> hey, my props article's done. And I didn't even need to read it. I knew exactly what would be in there, what would be leading us off. It's in there every week. It wins every week. Jameer Gibbs, longest rush over. I mean, Tell the people why. I'm sure they've heard your explanation before, but tell them why we love this prop. Yeah, I think this is the fourth or fifth week in a row we're playing this. The one thing I will mention is there's no line available on this yet, which is a little suspicious because there are yes, other rushing odd. lines available for Gibbs in this game and Montgomery. We're not waiting on any key injury news that would 
lead them to leave this off. So I don't know what's going on there. I will mention that last year, the one longest rush prop that we were playing over and over again was Nick Chubb. And there was a week where it was just not available for no good reason after it had been a winner week after week. So I don't know what's going on, but hopefully we get this line. If it's available at 17 and a half yards or lower, I'm going to take Jameer Gibbs longest rush against the Cowboys. He's hit 20 or more yards in seven of his last nine games. And if you listen to last week's show, we talked about how we thought this was a matchup proof prop and we were going to put it to the test against the Vikings because that stat that we were talking about earlier with the Browns giving up the most highest rate of 15 or more yards on the ground. The Vikings give up the lowest rate of 15 or more yards on the ground. So they're the defense you don't want to play longest rush props against. But we went ahead and played it anyway because it's Jameer Gibbs. And sure enough, he still hit the over. So this doesn't matter. You can't yeah, stop this, Jameer Gibbs. This, <laughs> yeah. It's there. Yeah, he it's matchup proof. He did it against the Vikings. He did it against the Bears earlier in the week, who also ranked top or early in the season, who also ranked top five in that stat. Dallas, another really good defense, but they're in the middle of the pack in this statistic. They do give up some long runs. And so it's they're not a defense that you're scared to play a longest rush prop to begin with. And so, you know, this is just one where we don't really need any more explanation than that. We're just going to keep riding it out through the rest of the season. I do think this game, this game is really interesting. It's not on the main slate for DFS, which is a little bit disappointing. But this game is interesting because Everything that Jared Goff doesn't like, uh, that's what the that's what the Cowboys defense does. They play a lot of man and they get pressure. Now, to be fair to him, this one will at least be indoors. So we're taking one of those things out of the equation. He hates playing outdoors. If it was outdoors, pressure, and man coverage, then they might score zero points. But the pressure part of it, the um, the the man coverage, like that kind of leads you to believe we're gonna see some Jared Goff mistakes especially early on, especially with what we've seen from him more recently. And I think that this game could get a little bit out of hand. Like I would, if, if you're giving me the options of, of a close game or Cowboys blowout or Lions blowout, Lions blowout is far and away, not, uh, you know, my least likely option here. And I think the Cowboys blowout is not that wild, not that much different than a close game here. That is actually good for Gibbs. He might not get as many rushes, and for this prop, you want a lot of volume. But he's probably going to be on the field more just because of the way the Lions run their offense if that is the game script that we see. So that might be a reason to to like him a little bit more here. Also might be a reason to like him a little bit more if you're playing single-game DFS than David Montgomery if you're trying to pick between, between those people. We have another great matchup here, another matchup you've been targeting uh, all season long. And that is Devonta Smith, longest receiving over. What do you like about that? Yeah, we're playing Devonta Smith's longest reception over 21 and a half yards against the Arizona Cardinals. I actually love this line. It came in a little bit lower than I was expecting. So this is a, a good value for us here with this line. You know, we've been playing this prop against Arizona quite a bit this season with a lot of success. They rank dead last in the league and completion rate allowed at 15 or more yards downfield. So when you're playing Arizona, you want to attack downfield. So I'm always looking for who gets the most targets. If somebody stands out as seeing a high percentage of targets down the field and they're going up against Arizona, it's an automatic play. This week, I had to dig a little bit deeper because both Smith and A.J. Brown are used downfield at a pretty similar overall rate. I think you could certainly justify playing both of them in this matchup or just playing Brown if you wanted to go that way. If, if you're only choosing one, though, I'm going to side with Smith based on Arizona's coverage scheme because they're one of these defenses that leans very heavily on too high coverage. The second highest rate in the league, 54% um, rate where they're playing with too high coverages. 
the Eagles against those coverages tend to favor Smith a little bit more than Brown. He leads the team with a 26% target share versus too high and leads the team with 53% of their downfield targets against too high. So when Arizona is in that standard coverage that they typically use, we think we're going to Smith is going to see more targets. So although I think you're totally justified in playing both of these and hoping to win both of them, if you're going to if you want to play just one, I think based on that coverage scheme, Smith is a little bit uh better option for us. Yeah, I can see that for sure. I also think the Eagles are one of a lot of offenses this week who find themselves in a get right spot. Yep. And if you're if you're struggling heading into the playoffs and you have the opportunity to play the Cardinals, for instance, then that would be that would seem like a good re, a good time to get your offense moving the way that you would hope that they would be. And so this could be this could be a pretty good spot for them as well. All right, moving on to Bijan Robinson. Bijan Robinson, you know, he bounced back two weeks ago. It was heartbreak. Bounced back last week with a pretty good game in a situation where we expect him to have a good game. But now this week, you like the under on his rushing yards. What what about that? Do you like? Yeah, I'll say that I'm sort of tentatively liking the under because this line actually came in quite a bit lower than I was expecting. Uh, the highest line that I saw for Beatles Robinson's rushing yards was 50 and a half yards, which is about 10 yards lower than it's been for the most part over the last month to six weeks. So this line has dropped significantly. It was actually under 50 in a couple spots. So it seems like the line may already be shifting down. So uh, given where it's at, I'm going to say, I'd lean under, but I, you know, if you want to just stay away because this is a bad game and you're not going to be watching, I think that also makes sense. But to dive into a little bit more, the reason I like it, it's mostly about Chicago's defense. Um, they've just been a nasty run defense. I don't think because they've sort of struggled overall, I don't think they've gotten enough attention for how good this run defense has been. They're contacting ball carriers at or behind the line of scrimmage at the second highest rate in the league. And in this particular matchup, it's it's a it's a rough matchup for the Falcons because they're allowing contact rate at or behind the line of scrimmage at a 50% rate. That ranks 27th. So the Falcons as road underdogs, really bad matchup in the trenches for them. And given the usage of Robinson that we've seen the past couple weeks, it it just seems like an all-around bad spot to play him. So I definitely lean under, but like I said, I, I was hoping this line would be maybe five to seven yards higher than it is. So I, I don't love it at this spot. I would say it sort of falls into a category of if I were watching the game and wanted something, I would play it, but I don't have any plans of watching Falcons bears in week 17. So personally, I'm, I'm going to stay away. <laughs> Why not? It seems like it's going to be a great game. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the bears defense. I, the Bears defense as a whole in the back half of the season, because their past defense wasn't it's gotten better. The Bears defense as a whole is pretty good. Um, this kind of this roster as a whole is pretty good. The offensive line is pretty good. Uh, just throwing that out there. This team, if they don't give away two wins, is like squarely in the playoff contention. Um, that makes the decision they have to make this offseason with likely the number one pick. We'll see if the Panthers can, you know keep keep trying to put together wins but likely number one pick that makes that that makes that very interesting the thing about B. John robinson and we had this we had this talk a little bit rich and i did last week about how when we were looking at B. John robinson and he was getting high touch totals and he was getting high carry totals we were like okay so he's getting you know he's getting what he what what we think he should get as you know clearly the best runner in that backfield i like tyler algier he had a really good rookie season B. John robinson is a is the best runner but if you look at the splits of the touches it really wasn't that favorable to Bijan. and so if we have a situation here where the falcons just aren't able to run and maybe they're not running as much then we might see that 
take hold again, where his his touch total does not look the way we think it should look because those splits still haven't changed where we're really favoring him in the running game. So there there are a lot of concerns here for B. John Robinson, for sure. Last one here with Jordan Love completions over. This one's interesting. You really dug into the weeds for this one, for why you like it against a defense that, you know, you're not really targeting. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting reason why you like Jordan Love completions over this week. Yeah, this is one we've played a few times. We've, I've sort of been monitoring different matchups and playing it, but really we probably should have been playing it all along because he keeps hitting the over even in the weeks when we haven't played it. This line's available at 22 and a half completions for Jordan Love. Like I said, we're going to be on the over as we have a couple times. It really has to do with the Green, Bay, Green Bay's passing game. Early in the season, they were throwing the ball downfield at a pretty decent rate. Through the first four games, 41% of Love's targets were 10 or more yards. And then they realized he's not that good at throwing downfield, and they just adjusted the offense wisely. And since then, 31% of his targets have been at 10 or more yards. And what do you know? The the uh, the Packers' offense has looked quite a bit better since then as they sort of made a late-season uh, push for the playoffs a little bit, made, made things interesting at least. In this particular matchup, I think that the actually benefits because the Vikings' blitz-heavy defense kind of helps us. They blitz at the league highest rate. And although Love is not necessarily great at handling the blitz, what it does, what you do when you're playing against the blitz is you want to create some very quick, easy options for your quarterback. When you know a blitz is coming roughly half the time, you've got to have quick, easy outs on every play. And when that's available, those short passes, they're, you're going to have an increased completion rate, right? And what do you know? The team that blitzes the highest rate in the league allows the highest completion rate in the league, 70% completion rate against the Vikings. So even though this defense has been decent throughout the year, they allow so many of these just really short passes because you have to have that in your back pocket on every single play, given the rate that they blitz. And so it just inflates the number of completions that you're going to get over the course of the game. Even if they're, you know, three yard completions or whatnot, it doesn't matter if we're playing a completion prop. You don't have to be efficient. We just want those easy completions. And so the fact that we've all, we're already seeing the, the Packers lean into that style of offense we're seeing Love execute it pretty well over the second half of the season. He's hitting the over on this number pretty consistently already, and the defense matches up as well. Basically, everything lines up in our favor, and yet the line doesn't really shift. It's about one completion higher than it's been for the most part, but he has cleared this by five or six completions a number of times, so I'm, I'm not concerned by the line jumping up ever so slightly. I like this prop a lot. Yeah, I mean, I've played it on your recommendation a few times, and it's just, it continues to hit. And I like your point that Love is just playing better, and that yep. that helps. It doesn't seem like Christian Watson's going to play in this game. We're probably going to see a lot of Jaden Reed targets. That kind of feeds itself into what we're what what we're hoping to see in this matchup if we're going to get a Jordan Love completions over. So yeah, it all it all makes sense to me. Remember, we have launched our weekly postseason packages, which you can are available now over at sharpfootballanalysis.com. If you sign up for the weekly package, not only do you get the first week of the postseason, you will get the final two weeks of the NFL regular season and our college bowl recommendations, which have been doing very good. And you can get all of that for 71% off. Why 71%? Because that's what we've been hitting at since November 1st in our elevated plays. We've been doing great. So go over to the site, uh, use code get 71 to take advantage of that fantastic deal. All right, let's move on. Talk a little bit about the DFS position. Jordan love will not be on the main slate. Unfortunately, uh, I would, you know, I don't say, unfortunately, I still wouldn't have used him. He has been quietly a good fantasy 
playing. So I, I'm not, you know, not throwing shade at Jordan Love. But yeah, he's not going to be on the main slate. We do have 13 teams on the main slate this week, you know, because of all the Saturday games and Thanksgiving and Christmas and bye weeks, we haven't seen this big of a main slate in a while. And so getting 13 games uh, is, is going to be interesting and it's going to spread out the roster percentage for a lot of players, especially at quarterback, especially at tight end. And so it's going to be an interesting slate uh, trying to figure it out. I think the place to start with quarterback this week is Brock Purdy because Brock Purdy is only $7,000 over at DraftKings. This matchup that he has against the commanders is the best matchup that is available to a quarterback. And yet he has this injury. We've seen him, you know, last week you saw him struggle against the Ravens. Part of that was just unlucky. Part of it though, he, he didn't look like Brock Purdy. He's has this injury. We also have this issue with Brock Purdy and DFS that if you want to stack Brock Purdy, picking who the people you're stacking him with is very difficult because it can change from week to week. If Brandon Ayuk just ends up getting two touchdowns and those touchdowns don't go to Debo Samuel and George Kittle, then Brandon Ayuk's the player you want to play. But that becomes kind of random. I do think there's some signal this week that suggests that Brandon Ayuk is the receiver to play with him. But, you know, that's kind of a guessing thing. George Kittle's going to be very popular it's kind of a coin flip with George Kittle, what, what we're going to get. In fact, in some of the games where I really expected him to do well, like against Seattle, it hasn't happened. And then last week we saw what he was able to do against the Ravens. And so it becomes an interesting thing. But I, I, at this point, I mean, this is such a good matchup. This team, this offense is so good. And the you know they need to kind of bounce back from last week. I just, I don't know how you get away from Brock Purdy. Like I'm going to eat a lot of chalk on Brock Purdy and I, I just think I'm just going to have to deal with it and try to figure out the rest of my lineups. Yeah, I feel like the 49ers are going to make or break a lot of lineups this week because they're going to put up points. And you got it. But like you said, they can be a tough team to sort of pick and choose where those points are going to come from. So you got to get it right. So there's going to be some, you know, the four, they might put up a huge number on the scoreboard. And there's going to be some lineups where you've rostered some 49ers guys who don't actually <laughs> produce many of those don't points, especially because. Especially because a lot of like this could get ugly very early. And so some of those points could be some garbage time points in the second half, guys who aren't rostered in a ton of like you could have low yardage totals for some of these players. Like I could have, you know, 45 yards in the first half there, but they're up 28 to three. And if he doesn't get one of those early touchdowns, he might not get it in the second half because they start to, you know, get some other guys some reps if the game is out of hand. So I, I think that's the tricky thing. You've got to have some exposure to all these guys, but I, I mean, I, I guess I'm kind of with you. I, I think you've got to use them, but I don't have a real strong lean as to like how you, who you pair up with them. I think Rich brought this up on the podcast earlier today. I think that if you just take Purdy and McCaffrey and leave it at that, you're at least getting very likely getting all of the touchdowns that they're going to score. And at that point, you know, you're not, you're probably not going to double up unless McCaffrey catches the touchdown, which obviously he does. So that's certainly on the table. And so you're going to lose out on some of that double up and some of the benefit here of stacking this, but that, that at least gets you all the touchdowns in a game that, I mean, the 49ers are going to score a lot of touchdowns in this game. And so that kind of puts you in a good spot. It is going to cost a lot. It might make it difficult to get some of the top receivers. If you really want to go after Tyree kill who, you know, 
I, I didn't put Tyreek Hill in my wide receiver list because I don't think we need to talk about how good of a play Tyreek Hill is without Jalen Waddle on the field. Tyreek Hill gets targeted on 45% of his routes this year with Jalen Waddle off the field. Nearly half of his routes with Jalen Waddle off the field, he gets a target. That's all you need to know about whether or not Tyreek Hill is a is a good play this week. And so it does it does raise some you know interesting concerns. There are some other interesting quarterbacks. I think Patrick Mahomes is fascinating this week. Patrick. Mahomes actually $500 more than Brock Purdy. He has been a quarterback one, one time in his last seven games. It's been bad. We have not seen the price fall maybe like it should have based on that, but they're playing the Bengals. The Bengals defense is also bad. His matchup is as good as Brock Purdy's matchup is as well. We just don't have a lot of faith in this offense based on how they've been playing. The Bengals have given up our 29th in yards per play allowed over the last five weeks. They played the Steelers twice, the Jaguars, the Colts, and the Nick Mullins Vikings over that span. And they're 29th in, per, in yards per play allowed over the last five weeks. I, I think Mahomes is not going to be on as many rosters as he should be based on the matchup and based on who he is. I think the same is true of Travis Kelsey, especially because of Kelsey's price in relation to other tight ends. And I think that that could actually be a, a fulcrum point for this slate. Did you have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and the maybe roster advantage that that gives you if they actually hit and go wild. And you can add Rasheed Rice to that. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be popular for sure. So maybe you want to avoid him, assuming he plays. He, he missed practice on Thursday. But Mahomes is that stack. That idea is very, very interesting to me and I think going to feature in a lot of my lineups. Yeah, it certainly makes sense if we're expecting a low roster share for Mahomes and whoever you pair him with, Kelsey or Rice. But there is the underlying issue of this offense isn't good. Exactly. <laughs> Mahomes is really 100%. good. Mahomes is really good. But like the, the outcome that we're seeing over the last few weeks of the offense just not putting up points, that's not a fluke. Like this is a really bad, like there's no talent around Mahomes anymore. Obviously, Kelsey is still there and Rice has come on strong late in the season, but there's no depth at receiver or at, there's no depth at the skill position players overall around him. So I, th I think the struggles that he's had, like we're sort of seeing the breaking point, like Mahomes can carry you so far. And, you know, in this case, Mahomes is carrying them into the playoffs, into a relatively high seat in the playoffs. When I think if you swap Mahomes out for a league average quarterback, not even a bad quarterback, just a league average quarterback, they don't sniff the playoffs. This is not a good team without Mahomes. So he is still playing exceptionally well, but exceptionally well kind of just puts up mediocre numbers given the talent around him. So yeah, the explosion, I mean, he's Patrick Mahomes. The explosion is capable. He's capable of that any week, especially against a bad defense. So if we think the roster share will be low enough, yeah, go, go ahead and play him. But also don't be shocked if it looks the same against the Bengals as it has a number of times recently. No, but that's the reason why I think people are going to be wary to pay up. Yeah. And when I look at roster projections, Mahomes is like Mahomes is like the sixth or seventh quarterback, which getting that in this spot, I think is I think is really good. And Kelsey's even, you know, we can move and start talking about the tight ends a little bit. Kelsey is even worse because of 
his pricing relative to the other popular tight ends is wild. He's $1,100 more than Trey McBride. He is $1,400 more than George Kittle or 13. George Kittle, somewhere around there. George Kittle's either 56 or 5,700. And those two, those two guys are going to be the most popular, which makes sense intellectually based on everything that you just said. That makes sense. Kelsey has not been good. Kelsey has been the tight end 10 in per game scoring over his last eight games. He has one touchdown over that span. All of that intellectually makes sense. It makes sense to roster George Kittle in that matchup or roster Trey McBride in that matchup as the de facto number one wide receiver in Arizona, it makes sense to roster those two guys over Kelsey. If I was projecting, I would project those two players for more points than Kelsey and a better points per dollar for sure than Kelsey. But that's kind of what makes it interesting to play to play Kelsey and to play Mahomes is that you're going against what intellectually makes sense and you still have the opportunity for a big score because of who these players are and the matchup that they have. And just on the Kelsey matchup for a second, the Bengals are awful against tight ends. They've given up the second most receptions per game to tight ends, the second most yards per targets to tight ends and a 4.9% touchdown rate. Um, so they're bad. This is the matchup. If not, if not now, then when? It's kind of where we are, where we are with these two guys. And I think that that makes this. That's why they're interesting on the slate, and that's what makes this kind of, kind of fascinating. All right. So a couple more quarterbacks, real quick. Uh, you know, Matthew Stafford, based on the roster projections I've been looking at, it seems like he could get lost in the shuffle because of all the quarterbacks. The Giants defense has played better at home. They're going to blitz. Stafford hasn't been great against the blitz. There are reasons to not like this, but this offense with Kyron Williams, with Cooper Cup, with Puka Nakua on the field is one of the best offenses in the league, like literally at the 49ers level, they average with those three players on the field, they average 6.8 yards per offensive play. That's where the 49ers are. That is the type of offense that we've seen from this team with those three players on the field. Stafford with those three players on the field, 8.2 yards per attempt, 15 touchdown and one interception on 191 dropbacks. If he's going to get lost in the shuffle, even if this matchup isn't perfect for him, you you have to pay attention to that. And then we have to talk about the the low price quarterbacks. Jared Stidham is forty eight hundred. Tyrod Taylor, I believe, is forty six hundred. There are some low price options there. I, I, I guess. What do you think about Stidham? He was in the exact same situation last year. Came in for Derek Carr. We didn't expect much, and I believe he was the quarterback three that week. He has a really good matchup against the Chargers. He's only forty eight hundred. I mean. A lot of times when you get these low-priced quarterbacks, people people play them and it doesn't work out. Like they did it with Dorian Thompson-Robinson because the quarterback's not good. And maybe Jared Stidham's not good, but we have a history of him with ceiling fantasy performances. I, I He has to definitely be in the player pool, and I, I think I like him a little bit this week. Yeah, I'm kind of intrigued to see what this looks it looks like with Stidham in Denver. And given what his salary is, I think it's absolutely justified to get some exposure to him. I, I really liked Stidham when he first we first saw him way back when he was at Baylor. And he stepped in. I forget who the quarterback was, but he stepped in for someone due to injury and looked really good. That was like an, ex, an explosive offense, and he you could see the arm talent. Then he went to Auburn playing for Gus Malzahn, which is just a dink and dunk offense which wasn't really the best fit for him. And I think maybe stalled his development a little bit, but in Denver, I think yeah. this is, pro I think his experience in Gus Malzahn's offense probably makes him a good fit for this offense. Cause you know, 
towards the end of the Drew Brees era, we really saw Sean Payton develop a quick timing-based offense to sort of make up for the fact that Drew Brees had lost something of with his arm and couldn't really challenge defenses downfield anymore. And it worked really well. They got a lot more out of Brees at the end of his career than you, you probably would have expected given what was left of his arm at the very end there. And that quick timing-based offense, that is the opposite of Russell Wilson, right? Like Russell Wilson is, he's the polar opposite of what you want. Obviously he's, you know, Russell Wilson is, in a vacuum he's better than Jarrett Stidham so that's why he played most of the season but I can definitely see how on Sundays Peyton and his staff probably got real frustrated with Russell Wilson holding the ball way too long passing up some easy quick passes and in practice I bet Stidham was like clockwork just getting the ball out quickly getting it on time like clockwork it just it probably looked beautiful in practice because that's you have to play that way in Gus Malzahn's offense and so I'm sure he is perfectly capable of doing everything that was asked of him in practice I'm skeptical that that will translate to the game but it might because he had to play that way for Gus Malzahn and so we know that he's going to get the ball much quicker than Russell Wilson did so you know I, I don't think it's going to be a great offense but you know, from a fantasy perspective and where his salary is at, I think it could be a relatively efficient offense and he could put up numbers that exceed expectations based on the salary. And I think, so Rich and I, because over the back half of the season, we have seen Russ take to this offense more than what we saw in the front half of the season, for sure. Rich and I have been calling it the James Harden offense, layups and threes. That's all that we're getting out of this offense. There are probably more threes with Russ than Sean Payton yep. would have liked, just prayer balls to Cortland Sutton that Cortland Sutton uh, just comes down with. Cortland Sutton, by the way, doesn't look like he's going to play this week, it seems like. We'll have to see. We'll have to see where that goes. But so maybe we get fewer threes and maybe we get more layups. But like you said, Stidham fits that really nicely. And so maybe maybe it works out. And also stacking him is interesting. Marvin Mims uh, mispractice on Thursday. Um, Cortland Sutton probably going to be out. You're gonna you're gonna go back to taking a shot on Jerry Judy. Maybe Brandon Johnson ran a route on 77.5 percent of the dropbacks after Sutton left last week. He's second on the team in receiving touchdowns. There's a, there's an interesting cheap name. So like you could make a very, very cheap stack around Stidham that allows you to access Christian McCaffrey and Tyreek Hill in the same lineup. And that's, that's worth something for sure. Let's talk quickly here about the running backs and the wide receivers. I don't think I need to, I don't think I need to explain why Christian McCaffrey is a very good play this week. Uh, there you go. He's very good. Uh, Kyron Williams, same thing. I don't need to explain why he's a good play. He actually has 25.6 touches per game since returning. 25.6 touches. That's wild, wild. I do think an interesting point will be Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who it seems like Pacheco is going to be out in this game. Edwards-Alaire is only $5,300. He did actually mispractice on Thursday, too, with an illness. We'll see kind of where, where that goes. But assuming Pacheco is out and assuming that Edwards-Alaire is fine, Edwards-Alaire is going to be very popular, probably the most popular running back given his salary. I think that that makes sense given the matchup, but... It does have to be noted that Edwards Alaire has been actually bad this year whenever he's been given carries. He's 60th out of 63 qualifying backs in success rate as a runner. He has just a 5.9% explosive run rate, which is, I think, the second or third lowest among qualifying running backs. He has been bad. Perhaps the Bengals' defense is worse, and that makes this work, especially if he's able to get a lot of carries in the second half. But I mean, we've 
we've had situations like this where, all right, at this price, you have to play him. Zach Moss was one of those at one point. At this price, you have to play him, and it just didn't work out. And we could see a similar thing with CEH. But, I mean, he's a good value. I don't really think – I don't know how you get away from him being a good value. He's very obviously a good value if Pacheco is out. Yeah, you got to you gotta just – you got to take the values when they're there. I mean, it happens all the time throughout the season. There's guys – in a vacuum, you wouldn't want him on your roster, but if the price point is right, you just you just got to do it. And obviously, like we talked about, the offense is capable of putting up big numbers if things fall their way, despite the fact that it has been a rough go as of late. So given the salary and given the offense's ceiling, how do you not have some exposure to that? On the other side, by the way, of the Stidham stack, I didn't mention this, but I want to mention this running back. If you wanted to bring back for the Stidham stack, Austin Eckler is $6,700. I don't think he's going to be very popular. That is a great matchup against the Broncos. The Broncos have allowed a running back one in three straight games, including the one really good Eckler game that we've had in recent memory. That was against the Broncos. We saw him reclaim the lion's share of the running back work. Last week, he had 15 of the 18 running back carries last week. He's a good bet for three or four catches. Maybe Maybe the touchdowns are not there in this game specifically and in this offense specifically, but if he ends up where I expect him to be from a roster percentage, like maybe like 10th or 11th, I there's there's some value there, especially if you can run that Stidham stack and then have him as the comeback. That leaves you a lot of options the rest of the way. And then real quick at wide receiver, just like with McCaffrey, I don't need to explain why Tyreek Hill is a very good play. He is a very good play. There, there you go. There are some other interesting names. Uh, first of all, A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown is... I think $700 cheaper than Tyreek Hill. So it's not that much more expensive to go to Tyreek. AJ Brown has not been a fantasy superstar as of late. And so maybe that maybe that keeps his roster percentage a little bit down. But this matchup against Arizona, you brought it up at the beginning. This matchup against Arizona is amazing. Like they're bottom 10 in the league and like points allowed to wide receiver one targets. Uh, at, the yards per target allowed to outside receivers, touchdown rates outside receivers. All of this sets up really, really good for AJ Brown. And maybe that's a maybe that's a situation where in some lineups you're playing him instead of Tyreek, and maybe that gives you some advantage if he blows up. Some other a couple other guys, real quick. Chris Olave. Um, the Bucks limited the Jaguars passing game last week, but Calvin Ridley still got there. They're 28th in the league in points allowed to wide receiver ones. Chris Olave has 100 yards or a touchdown in six straight. I think people will bring up the Bucks game that he did not have a good game the last time they played. But if you remember that game, Derek Card had no business playing in that game because of his shoulder injury, and he still did. And he basically didn't throw the ball past the line of scrimmage. You you have to really throw that game out for the Saints offense. And so Alave is a good play. And another one there is Nico Collins getting Stroud back with Stroud on the field and Tank Dell out. Nico Collins has a 28.5 target rate per route, 26.2% target share, 2.93 yards per route run. Those are elite, elite numbers with Tank Dell out. And getting Nico Collins where you're going to get him, I, I think that I think that's pretty good. How about you? You got any other wide receivers to, to throw out there real quick? Well, just one to mention on the low end of the spectrum, Andre Yosivas of Cincinnati. He's on my list. On yeah, list for sure. I saw him on their on your list, and so I want I wanted to just throw him out there. I he was drafted after Charlie Jones, so you would kind of think that with o- opening up, you would see more of Charlie Jones. But I 
I think Yoshibas has a higher ceiling. I had him graded a little bit higher. Jones is the speedster, and part of the reason why I think they drafted him earlier was you know he's played a little bit on special teams. And can I adds a- can I interrupt for a second? And yeah. I'm upset that you continue to call him Charlie <laughs> Jones, but that is definitely not his name. His name is Chuck Sizzle. Okay, continue. <laughs> All right, Chuck Sizzle. He's the he's the speedster, so he kind of added something new to the offense, and I think that's why they prioritized that. And Yoshibas is more of the like long term development guy. Maybe next year if a spot opens up in the offense that he sees starts to see a bigger role so with chase being out last week i think that's why we saw yoshivas get some more targets because he's the big physical outside receiver sort of the more complete physical package even if he's not quite as developed and ready to contribute as jones would have been he fits that role the offense a little bit better and so you know he's been in been with the Bengals for almost a full season now obviously they think he's ready for that so i i I like his long-term potential and we may be already starting to see a little bit of that. So given the, the really low salary and the usage last week, if chase is out, I don't believe that's been announced yet for sure. Right. I don't think we have any news on chase, but if he's out I think that's a great play. Yeah, he did. I chase got in some practice on Thursday, but all the reports I've seen are very negative. I think there was a report from me in Rappaport that was like, yeah, it's probably not happening this week. We're probably looking at week 18. So I am expecting Chase to sit, but, you know, we'll definitely have to see. And to your point about how much uh, I had his name on the podcast this morning. I, I nailed it this morning. Give it to me one more time. I believe it's Yossi Vash. Yossi Vash. That is, that is correct. Yossi Vash. Um, he actually led the tide for the team league with T team lead with T Higgins last week in targets. He ran a route on 75.6% of his dropbacks. He was targeted on 23 and a half percent of his routes. Those are all very good numbers. And the thing about the chiefs defense, we'll have to see what happens with Snead. If Snead is out, this could be a little bit different, but what happened with the chiefs off defense, they shut down number one wide receivers. And with Jamar chase out, that person is T Higgins and T Higgins is going to get that attention. If they're able to shut down T Higgins, those targets have to go somewhere else. And I think they'll, they'll probably go, uh, probably go to him. I played him last week in DFS. He didn't get me the points that I was hoping for, but he got all the usage. And so if we're also getting him as a secondary option against this Chiefs team, which is really what you're looking to target at $3,200, yeah, that's that's a no-brainer for me, especially since I don't think there's a ton, especially if Marvin Mims is out, there's not a ton of like great value-wide receivers. You're chasing the Carolina-wide receivers and hoping for the best, which does make some sense. I, I know that every... I know that every optimizer is going to love Jonathan Mingo uh, this week because yeah. you know that that's where we are. But so all of that makes some sense. But really, I don't think there's a ton of great value wide receivers, and so that makes him very interesting for me for sure. All right, we already missed the tight ends. I think that's about it for us. We're going to go watch. We're going to let you go watch your beloved Browns without Amari Cooper uh, play play the New York Jets, and hopefully hopefully clinch a playoff spot. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Remember, if you didn't listen to this live, um, you can go to YouTube. You can search for Warren Sharp. You can find us and uh, you can listen to all of our podcasts live on the YouTube channel. Also head over to sharpfootballanalysis.com. Have a great deal running on our postseason package. You get 71% off our weekly postseason packages. Make sure you check that out and we'll be back to talk with you real soon.